By its very nature, any kind of military conflict performed in cyberspace is going to extend far outside of the conflict zone or zones that kinetic warfare is fought in. But during wartime, the conflict in the cyber domain is going to intensify. Long before the current crisis in Ukraine started, the country had been a target of sophisticated digital operations with spying on its officials, the sabotage of critical infrastructure, as well as other sectors of their economy. It was even the initial ground for the most destructive cyber attack in history called NotPetya. That trend continues today as ESET Research uncovered an array of new advanced cyber threats infiltrating Ukrainian organizations with a single goal, to cause as much damage as possible. My name is Ari Goretsky, and I'm ESET's Distinguished Researcher and host of this special edition of the ESET Research Podcast. In today's episode, we'll discuss the malicious tools that our researchers found in Ukraine. Joining me today from ESET are senior malware researcher Robert Lepovsky. We'll be putting these findings into context with past cyber attacks seen in Ukraine. But first, we'll be hearing from the head of threat research, Jean-Ian Bhutan, who will be presenting a high-level summary of his latest findings. Hi everyone. This has been a very busy last few days, emotional as well. It all started last Wednesday, February 23rd, when the news broke that several major Ukrainian websites were under a DDoS attack, making them unreachable for a period of time. ESET researchers were looking everywhere in our telemetry to find any trace of an attack against Ukrainian organizations. In the early afternoon, one suspicious sample was found. It looked like some type of wiper. This was our first contact with what would become a medic wiper. Once we had this first sample, we looked for other similar samples and found a few others, all detected in Ukraine. By early evening, we had detected a medic wiper on hundreds of systems in at least five Ukrainian organizations. He said researchers quickly analyzed this new family, and we decided to go public with our findings. We use our ESET Research Twitter handle to let people know what we discovered. The tweet went viral, and we continued our analysis, trying to find other similar campaigns targeting Ukraine. We went to bed that night, not knowing what would happen next. The next morning, we woke up only to realize that this attack had preceded the Russian military invasion by a few hours. In the following days, we fully analyzed Hermetic Wiper, but also continued to search for other malware linked to this case in our dataset. We found Hermetic Wizard, a worm used by the attackers to spread Hermetic Wiper. We also analyzed Hermetic Ransom, a decoy for ransomware that accompanied Hermetic Wiper in some cases. Let's start with Hermetic Wiper. It is a wiper signed by a cosigned certificate awarded to Hermetica Digital, a Cyprus company. This is how the malware got its name, by the way. So this wiper embeds a legitimate partition master software driver and use it to corrupt data on the system. It will first corrupt the disk structure by overriding crucial locations such as the master boot record and the master file table with random data. It will then corrupt this content by overwriting files in various folders on the system. As a last step, it will reboot the system, making it unusable. We did not know how this wiper appeared on all these systems at this point. Looking at our telemetry, we were able to discover that in some cases, 
a group policy was used to install the wiper, suggesting the attackers were present on the compromised network for some time before deploying the wiper. Digging a bit further, we discovered a worm that was used to spread the malware. We call this worm Hermetic Wizard. Hermetic Wizard first discovers accessible systems on the local network and then try to drop and execute Hermetic Wiper on all accessible remote systems. It has two different modules to try to do so. It is either using WMI or SMB to drop and execute the wiper payload on the remote system. On some systems where Hermetic Wiper was discovered, we also discovered a decoy for ransomware that we name Hermetic Ransom. This malware is written in Go and shows a classic ransomware message to the user. We believe that the attackers use Hermetic Ransom to try to hide the wiper's actions. Finally, and during the same time frame, we also discovered a new wiper that we decided to call Isaac Wiper, based on the fact that it uses the Isaac pseudorandom generator to generate the random bytes it needs to corrupt the system's data. After careful analysis of this tool, we could not find technical evidence linking Isaac Wiper to Hermetic Wiper, leading us to believe that there might be more than one threat actor perpetrating these attacks against Ukrainian organizations. At this time, we cannot link any of these malicious activities to a threat actor we track. Hermetic Wiper, Hermetic Wizard, and Hermetic Ransom do not share any significant code similarity with other samples in the ESET malware collection. Isaac Wiper is unattributed as well. Thank you for that, Sean Ian. So um, what does it mean when Janine says that these malware samples weren't attributed to a known actor, Robert? Hi, Ari. So uh, at ESET, we're always very careful with attribution, and we make our assessments with various degrees of confidence, and these are made based on the clues that we find during our investigations, during our analysis during our reverse engineerings of, of the malware and the particular campaigns. And for this, these latest examples, the Hermetic family, we did not find any clues that would allow us to tie them to uh, an APT group, a threat actor that we are tracking. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's, that's all that it basically means, that um, Sandworm, uh, that is, I think, uh, one of the most prolific groups that has been targeting Ukraine heavily uh, in the past years. Uh, aside from the targeting of the country, that we, we don't, uh, we haven't seen any clues, any, any evidence that would tie them to this or any other APT group also active in Ukraine, uh, be it uh, Turla or the Dukes or, or you know, other, other threat actors. So um, this is a kind of interesting in that you found uh, two pieces of wiper malware, um, the second one being Isaac Wiper. Now, did that one have anything in common with the uh, Hermetic Wiper, or are we looking at uh, two parallel cases of attacks going on by uh, possibly differing threat actors? Uh, it's possible. It's possible that uh, they are different. We again, even the Isaac wiper, there we didn't see any links to the Hermetic uh, wiper or or the other Hermetic wizard or Hermetic ransom uh, code, be it be a code or or, or infrastructure or other uh, artifacts. Uh, I should note that Isaac wiper was detected on systems that were not infected with with Hermetic wiper. 
So uh, it was not a case of one system being being infected by both, which is something that we uh, do see from time to time. Like we see uh, organizations which uh, are targeted by malware coming from different APT groups. Of course, we don't know what's going going on behind the scenes. We we just track and analyze the malware, and and that's our point of view. Sure. So what I'm trying to say is, when I say different APT group or different threat actor, they may very well be operating from you know the same building, just a different floor. You know, it might just be another team in a in a similar or a sister organization. So uh, we are here to you know analyze the code discuss about the 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 operations and and how they work not not the aspects that are going on behind the scenes because we just don't have a way of knowing that understood attribution is definitely a tricky business um one of the pieces of code uh used a uh interestingly enough uh dll file uh named romance dll and uh, spread via SMB. Uh, was this a use of the uh, old Eternal Blue exploits? Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, we didn't uh, discover the use of any exploits in these uh, latest samples. But yes, the the naming of the DLL as Romance uh, might might be a reference to that. So you know maybe hat tip or whatever so so yeah it, it's probably a reference to that but no we didn't see uh, exploits being used uh, we know that um, some malware authors sometimes leave little in jokes or messages uh, to uh, other threat groups or even researchers did you see anything like that this time with any of this malware uh, we did not see see uh, any such artifacts um, in this malware. Um, it's interesting though. I mean, there are, from a high level perspective, there are similarities in MO, uh, modus operandi with, with the past cases that we've seen. I mean, uh, uh, hermetic wizard, for example, it, it had more than one spreading mechanism. It had, uh, the romance DLL for spreading via, via SMB and it had mechanisms for spreading, uh, via, uh, WMI. Uh, so these are these are some of the things uh, that we've seen with NotPetya, for example, that um, were also had several mechanisms for spreading. Although that in that particular example, it was using the uh, uh, eternal exploits. Um, but it's just interesting that from a high level perspective, not on low level, you know, on a, on a code level, but from a high level perspective. So so there are. There are similarities, and and also in the way that this this these latest attacks were conducted, um, it was not a spontaneous operation either. Um, it was a very well, well ahead planned uh, operation uh, that most likely did follow the cyber kill chain with with all its various steps. So so we know that the attackers had prior access um, to those uh, systems for some time. Uh, I mean, uh, we saw the the end stage, the deployment of the dis this disruptive malware, uh, Hermetic Wiper and Isaac Wiper, uh, just the day before and and the first two days of uh, the Russian invasion in Ukraine. But uh, 
earlier dates in the timeline are uh, the code signing certificate that was used, uh, the, her the hermetic uh, code signing certificate, for example, it, that one was issued in April 2021. And then the first known hermetic wiper sample, according to the compilation timestamp, uh, if it was not faked, of course, but if we are to believe that, uh, that if it was not forged, then uh, it's, uh, it was likely compiled on the 28th of December 2021. So planned ahead, not a spontaneous attack. Yes, nearly uh, two months before uh, it uh, was deployed would have been the compilation and probably gone through some testing. And then uh, uh, the certificate uh, going back to uh, nearly 10 months. Um, out of curiosity, um, were you able to see any clustering of other uh, certificates registered at the same time, uh, which might have indicate uh, further uh, malware is coming from these uh, threat actors? So at this moment, we don't have uh, any knowledge of that. But of course, this is something that we are keeping our eyes open for and and if we do discover something then then of course we'll 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 update our publications um you'd mentioned this earlier and I'd like to um come back to that um this is by no means the first uh piece of highly targeted malware from a determined adversary that you've seen in Ukraine. Um, can you tell us what the connection is or uh, put together the timeline of how these threats have appeared and evolved? Uh, yeah, so we were discussing earlier whether there is a connection to, to some of the very well-known APT groups, uh, for example, Sandworm. So that, that's, I think, one of the most uh, prolific ones and that uh, has undergone a lot of evolution uh, over the years. We've begun seeing an increase of activity with, with Sandworm, but also, also some of the other groups uh, since about 2014, since the year 2014, which again, coincides with uh, uh, the geopolitical situation in Ukraine. And even though, even though Black Energy, which, is, which, which was the first main uh, malware used by uh, Sandworm, dates even prior to that. But stay, staying uh, with the APT, the targeted attacks against the country of Ukraine, they intensified beginning uh, 2014. Um, and then they, the targeting by these groups was very wide and diverse. So, so they were targeting various different sectors, both in the government and both in, in uh, private uh, companies. And some of those attacks became news, others uh, did not. Um, of course, there's no need to introduce the the most famous ones, right? Like the attacks against the Ukrainian power grid, uh, Black Energy, December 2015, then December 2016 with Indestroyer. Uh, and then what followed uh, was NotPetya in 2017. But 
even though all of these attacks, in the end, we managed to put them under the umbrella term sandworm, at the time, as these attacks were happening, we were actually tracking them as different groups. So there was Black Energy, and then there was uh, Telebots, uh, which was which was going after the financial sector. So Black Energy and then, then Gray Energy, they were mostly going after the energy sector and critical infrastructure and these types of organizations. Uh, while the Telebots, now we're, we can call it a cluster or a subgroup, so to speak, they were mostly going after financial institutions, for example, and and a lot of and of course different different targets uh, along the way, and then later on we we were putting together pieces of the puzzle that allowed us to make these connections. So yeah, overall I would say that all these operations, from a high level perspective, they were aimed at disrupting how the country of Ukraine would operate over the past years. Okay, so with. With with an answer like that, that obviously is going to lead to my, my next question is, yeah, how successful uh, were these attacks in damaging or disrupting those targets? Uh, that's a very good question, and and it's uh, difficult to objectively assess that. I mean, I, I guess it's uh it's it's something up, up up for discussion. I mean, let's let's take these past examples. Uh, okay, not Petya obviously caused devastating damage all over the country. Uh, so, so yeah, it was successful. Uh, people were not able to uh, buy gas at gas stations or, or pay at point-of-sales terminals in supermarkets. So, so that was crippling. I suppose that uh, the breaking beyond of, of this attack, breaking beyond the borders of Ukraine and, and then, then reaching some of the world's largest organ- organizations and becoming the most damaging cyber attack in history was probably unintended uh, and collateral damage. So that should be considered in evaluating how successful the attack was. But for example, the the attacks against the power grid, the first one, Black Energy, it was from a, from our researchers and analysts' perspective, as as uh, we were analyzing the malware, it was less sophisticated than than uh in destroyer the next the following year but it reached more electricity distribution substations in parallel and also the power outage lasted for a longer time for about four to six hours um then in december 2016 when we saw the in destroyer attack uh, that's really interesting because it, it it became the I would say probably the most uh, most sophisticated malware that we've come across. I mean, it spoke the language of of the industrial hardware for different industrial protocols. So unlike anything we have ever seen before, and what it managed to accomplish was a a power outage lasting only one hour around midnight uh, at just one facility, albeit a, a large one, uh, Kiev transmission substation. So um, I don't know, was that a success or not? I, I would argue that there is a large, there was a large mismatch between the capabilities of malware and, and in all likelihood, uh, the intended goals and the actual effect. So 
I don't know. Well, let's 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 rate that a a, a partial or limited success, maybe. So uh, yeah, of course. So to to summarize, all of these attacks they did cause heavy damage all over all over Ukraine. Not just the ones I mentioned, but also also all of the rest of them. But a lot of them were not as successful as as the attackers intended uh, them to be. So I. I again your 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 question or your your answer there leads me to another question i i have to bring up um this this is not the first attack that we've seen on industrial control systems and when you bring that up the usual thing that comes up is stuxnet that that was also a very targeted attack and it did escape beyond um its its original environment, although it had enough uh, checks and safeguards that it was not particularly useful outside of its environment, except as a method for other malware authors, perhaps less skilled ones, to learn from. Have you seen any of these uh, tricks and techniques that have been deployed through the Black Energy, Gray Energy, uh, Indestroyer? being uh, reused uh, by other threat actor groups or has it largely been limited to them and no one else? Uh, it was largely limited to them, which uh, I understand the point you're making. Like a lot of, lot of threat actors would, would try to copy uh, some of these advanced techniques. And that's... Uh, we we were we were waiting to see if if this would be something that we would end up detecting later on, and uh, maybe somewhat surprisingly, no. We so so we did not see an Indestroyer two point or, or or another Stuxnet uh, after the years. I think what we've or, or or the shift of the trend or what we started to see was a much heavier heavier use of commodity malware. And so staying under the radar, not necessarily in terms of detection, because we are able to detect uh, these attacks using commodity malware or, or even non-malware, you know, just, just uh, various uh, explo- post-exploitation tools and scripts and all of that with, for example, EDR, EDR solutions or XDR solutions. Um, but they do enable... Uh, attackers to stay under the radar in terms of attribution and again not 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 saying not talking about nation state level attribution but even even the type of attribution that we do like uh, attributing them to different apt groups um, I mean it when an attacker uh, uses uh, you know PowerShell scripts or uh, cobalt strike or whatever you know this 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 regular common stuff that's very not unique. Maybe it's it's groups uh, that are conducting the attack that uh, we have been tracking. But since the tools that are using are so common, they don't stand out in any other way. Yeah, it just doesn't rise to the level of oh, this is clearly a nation state uh, or other highly sophisticated threat actor. It's just another snake in a barrel of snakes. Um, so when you examine these, uh, particular attacks that have been going on, uh, against, uh, 
Ukraine, uh, businesses and uh, government agencies there. Um, how is it that you see the attackers operating? Um, do you have a kind of a sense of what sort of playbook they might have been creating? Um, you know, what are their goals in terms of, you know, entering the system, maintaining persistence, um, you know, for long-term infiltration, uh, so forth? Uh, yeah, so they they do follow uh, these these steps in the in the kill chain. Uh, the details vary from case to case, of course, but but from a high level point of view, they all follow uh, these steps of initial access and then main, getting uh, persistence and lateral movement and and then uh, the end game, whatever that might be. Uh, most commonly, we see that being espionage. I mean, it's in the attacker's uh, interest to stay in a system undetected for, for as long as possible and, and uh, try to exfiltrate uh, sensitive information. I would say that's, that part is, is less often discussed because it's less visible even though it's at least as important or, or as, as, as hazardous as the other type, which would be sabotage. And that would be like the visible payloads uh, that we've seen, whether with NotPetya or with uh, the power grid attacks or hermetic wiper in, in this most recent case where it's an act of disruption and, and cutting off access to uh, the systems and services uh, so yeah, in these cases, the angles would be disruption, uh, sabotage, signaling that, okay, we are here. And so, and of course with, with a single infiltration or, 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 or a campaign, it doesn't just have to be one, one motive, one goal. They can be combined. So we, we quite often see mostly with, with malware that's modular. That and and a lot of this this more more advanced malware is modular. So we see different uh, modules or plugins uh, designed to accomplish different different goals. Some for for harvesting uh, data and then other others for causing disruption. And like a typical scenario would be to first gather the information and then once uh, the operator decides that okay they've had enough, then they would deploy the disruptive phase of the attack and, and throw in a, in a, a wiper or a ransomware or this pseudo ransomware, as I like to call it, because it looks like a ransomware, but it's not there to actually collect the ransom and, and get financial gain, but it's just to make it appear as a, as a regular e-crime in, in, infection. Not Petya 2.0. So, uh, looking at the the sum total of all of these attacks that have occurred over the past um, seven or eight eight years uh, that uh, we've been seeing them, uh, which would you say have been the most advanced and and why? Well, from my personal experience, I definitely rate Indestroyer as the most sophisticated 
um, as I already mentioned, it's it's something that you that that we've never seen before, and it's it's I guess it's second only to Stuxnet, and it and it's very unique in 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 that it spoke the language of of the industrial equipment in an electricity distribution substation and. When you think about that, it's not not just an aspect of of the coding. It's not just the the, the difficult or the sophistication from the coder's perspective, but the malware creators had to understand these protocols that are used in electrical substations. So that's not your typical skill set of a, of a regular attacker, even APT uh, actors, and the operators had to know, they had to do their prior research. Um, so they code the malware, they, they, and the malware would send commands to protection relays uh, in these facilities. So they had to understand what kinds of commands over these industrial protocols they should send. And they would have to know or at least anticipate the type of uh, infrastructure or the architecture of uh, the substation. So once they send those commands, what will happen? What will be the, 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 the end goal? So when you combine all these perspectives together, that's what I makes that, in my personal opinion, the most advanced attack that we've seen. Yeah, I... I just can't help but but think when when you talk about it that this way that you know that somewhere in that uh, group of, of folks who are producing and operating this malware is a purchase agent who's buying all of this equipment and having to generate POs for them. Um, that's not the normal kind of thing that you see in uh, organized computer criminal activity. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's definitely uh, a threat at a different level. Um, so we, we've talked, well, quite a bit about, about uh, the threats, how they've evolved, what's been sophisticated, what, what you've seen. Um, uh, moving um, forward a little bit, you know, what are the ways in which um, our listeners can mitigate these threats? What can they do to protect themselves? Um, so right now we have... We have dramatic escalation of, of, of the conflict in Ukraine. And I that's a question that I've been getting often now is, so what, what, what do we do now in terms of cybersecurity defense? And the answer to that is cybersecurity defense has to be long-term. So all of your security measures and investments, well, hopefully they were, they were already done and, and if not, then you know start start looking at it, but start looking at it from a strategical perspective. That's the long term higher higher level answer. Uh, of course, depending on what type of organization you are and and, and your budget and everything. Uh, but there are some short term things that that users, even even regular users or or administrators, uh, can do, and and as a response to this uh, this higher alert. And any preventive measure to make sure that uh, your uh, uh, patch policies are set up correctly to to minimize the attack surface. Uh, 
make sure you are using MFA, multi-factor authentication, uh, when wherever you can. And, and even those services that you put off signing up for MFA that, that you've been wanting to do at a later point in time, well, make sure you have that. Um, make sure your operating systems, any software you are using is, is up to date and, and you're using an up to date, reliable security solution. So it's, it's pretty standard stuff of, of computer security hygiene, but the situation is, is an unfortunate, but it's a good trigger that should, should, you know, push people to make sure that they have these defenses in place. And it, it's. If those defenses are not in place, it's it's not too late. Is it for people? There's still things they can do. Yeah, I mean uh, that's the point, and even even with with our solutions, that's that's one of the reasons why we have so many layers in place, and some of those detection layers operate as pre-execution, which is uh, the uh, which is which is uh, the phase where we want to catch the the attacks, right? But 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 we also have measures uh, and and layers that detect an attack uh, during execution or even post execution. So so even even a uh, a user that will install a security solutions after they've become infected, well, yeah, they were compromised before, but still uh, setting up. And, and, and doing a scan uh, will often uh, help them and, and uh, give them visibility of what was what was going on in their system or environment or with larger enterprises uh, EDR solutions give them even an even greater level of visibility yeah I, I would also think that uh, things like uh, backups and user education have a part to play most definitely yeah. I mean, ransomware, the financially motivated one, is 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 a different topic. But uh, even with the disruptive stuff, these threats where you have to where where, where even even if if you if you get hit by them, and if if you have, if you have proper backups, they they sh best case scenario, so to speak, should be that they're just a nuisance and you just you have to restore from backups, right? So, yeah, if if people. And organizations had proper backup solutions, then uh, these disruptive or even uh, ransomware types of attacks uh, would not be such a problem as they are in the unfortunate reality, right? Absolutely. So uh, I, I think that probably for, for some people who are listening, that's probably a large stack of floppy diskettes uh, that they need to make. But uh, you know, uh, business continuity and, and disaster recovery plans are something that should always be uh, refreshed and uh, periodically tested to make sure that, um, well, that when you need them, uh, everything works smoothly. Um, with, with all of that in mind and all that you've seen so far, um, you know, from this, this recent attack on uh, Ukraine, you know, stretching back uh, throughout the past years, um, do you have any thoughts about what we might expect uh, to see in the coming days and weeks, uh, perhaps even further? That's an impossible uh, question to answer. Um, I'm making no predictions. Uh, aside from the fact that we, we will definitely be seeing more attacks 
so it's 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 hard to anticipate what what types uh but the trend has been such that attacks uh in cyberspace unfortunately also in 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 the real world so to speak uh have been escalated but but what we've what we've been seeing over the past years and that's not just just in in uh, relation to ukraine but but generally uh cyber attacks and whether it's apts or or criminals have be- become more more and more aggressive and uh, unfortunately i don't expect that to to change so more attacks to come unfortunately yeah i think that given the the current situation that's that's very understandable and uh i uh, thank you for that uh frank answer well, uh, Janine Robo, um, I'd like to thank you very much for taking time out of your schedules uh, to join us on such short notice for this special ESET Research podcast. Thank you, Ari. This has been an episode of the ESET Research podcast. For more insights on this subject, as well as other emerging threats, please follow our ESET Research Twitter account or read the latest on our blog, WeLiveSecurity.com. Our guests today were Jean-Yves Boutin and Robert Lepofsky. Our producer was Andre Kubovich, and I'm your host and ESET's distinguished researcher, Ari Goretsky. Stay safe.